But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Would you pray for me with a moment, confession and, and gratitude? Lord, we, we recognize that while we did not yet even have the ability to turn to you, that 2,000 years ago, that you would lay your life down for us. And that through some sort of holy will, you would come to this world in order to take all of the stains, the ways that we have damaged our relationships in this world, to you, to others, to your creation. You take those upon yourself and all that stain and all that guilt. And while we were still sinners, you took that to the grave for us and you buried it. And then you rose back to life. And today, Lord, we are gathered here because we also can now lay hold of that gift of new life that you promised that as you came back up that we too have been given a new life an eternal life, an abundant life that's already begun. And so we simply lay our, lay our lives before you today as living sacrifices. We lay our minds before you as we're going to be opening up your word and, and meditating on that. We open our hearts to you as we sing and, and as we open our, our voices. Lord, thank you for each and every person that is here today, that you have been calling, that you have, that you have been calling in ways that sometimes we can hear clearly and see clearly and other times there those ways that that we can only see in hindsight you kind of put it together for us but thank you that we are here now that as as a redeemed as a reconciled people we can live as one we can live as family thank you lord for this space this faith in this church in your name jesus we pray amen let's respond to god's goodness and one last vocal response Jesus made it all, all to him I owe, sin had left him crimson stain, he washed it white as snow, sing it again, Jesus, Jesus made it all. children with us can head out through the back with Pastor Christy. Looking good, Caleb. I like the long Dodger socks. <laughs> also with us today, we have one of the global partners that we support, one of the missionaries that we support. Deborah, would you stand up? Uh, yeah, can we give her a hand? Deborah lives with her family in, in Pakistan. How many years have you been there? About 30 years faithfully serving there. 
And it's um, one of the joys that we have to pray for our global partners. So if, you, if this is something you want to do, would you just kind of turn your hand towards Deborah to, to symbolize that we're all praying for her? And um, let's, let's do that. Thank you, Lord, for all that she has been able to do through decades of faithful serving you through and through trials and through hardships that have actually been able to turn back and show your glory and her faithfulness and her steadfastness. Lord, we also pray upon Chris. We pray upon all their children, thanking you that, that they have opportunities right now to be studying uh, and, and to be thriving as people, as, as you are raising them up to be also leaders for your kingdom. We pray upon also the ministry that's before them in this next season. For all of us, it's been difficult. So we pray for the challenges, the new hurdles, the new uh, adaptations that are necessary for her to continue, for Chris to continue in everything that you have called them to do for you and for your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for them. We put them in your care. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And yes, so if you go on to our website, uh, you can see a lot of information about our different partnerships. Um, do we have you on our website, or are we... I know that there are some things that we don't want to share because of your reality there, um, but if you ever want to know more about this, we have uh, a mission team, including Ruth and, and Diane and various other people that, that would love to connect you more, um, and, and in partnership, too. So thank you for being here. I'm so glad that you could be here. I also wanted to highlight, Rose is going to be traveling back to New York, and she's going to be gone for a few months helping out with, with family. And I just want to, is it okay if we also pray for Rose as she heads out? So Rose, let's pray for you too, okay? Thank you for um, the ability that she has right now to travel, Lord, but we do pray for, um, <laughs> for all of the, the, the moments that's going to take her from here to there and then back again because there are a lot of a lot of challenges also for her in that. So, Lord, we pray that you would be with her, you'd be protecting her, and that you could be your servant as she's with her family. Lord, we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. On the 15th, on the 15th, so in two Sundays, two things are going to be happening. One is that we now have um, directors of ministries that have come on to staff of the church, all very part-time, and we're going to be bringing them up, and they're going to be sharing where they're going to be serving in your church. So on the 15th, on the 15th, we're going to have an opportunity to see a little more about where we are now, but also where, where we're going as a church, and you can see the names, see the people, faces of those who are going to be helping leading us forward in this, and they'll be giving you opportunities to invest more in their areas of ministry so, for instance, if, if working with the youth is something that would excite you, then Shana, when she gets up, she'll be sharing opportunities and how you can get more involved. And that will be for all of our different ministries. So the 15th, that's one exciting thing. The second exciting thing is we're going to be baptizing Paul Sousa, the newest uh, child of the covenant in the Sousa family. So we're excited to be able to open up the waters of God's grace that Sunday and, and to bring him officially in that sign, that symbol of, of God's love upon, upon his life. So the 15th, and then on the 29th, the 29th of this month, we're going to have basically a church block party. <laughs> it's going to be an exciting time where we'll worship in here all together as a church, and then we'll head outside, and we'll do some really fun activities, including 
food, including water games for kids. And I'll give you the heads up now. We're going to be encouraging people to uh, have a table decorated that represents their culture of origin. A table decorated that represents their culture of origin. And you can have, you can have little trinkets on there from, from that culture. Also, if you want to prepare uh, like a little finger food that you can do like um, a toothpick with so that we can stay safe. But it's going to be a Sunday when we're also celebrating who we are as a church. So we'll, we'll put out all the tables, and you can come and bring things that you can decorate your table. And we'll celebrate who we are as a family, a rich, diverse family of faith. Okay? So that's the 15th and then the 29th. We're going to jump now into the word we have today. I'm going to move again, Brian, so I'm not sure if you need to move that camera. Keeping you on your toes. Today we're going to be looking at Ephesians 4. This is one of the letters attributed to Paul that is maybe his most complete, his most full in terms of describing who the church is. Uh, it's more of a, a, it's more like a Rembrandt painting of the church uh, in the New Testament. And so right in the middle of this letter, we're diving in in the middle, chapter 4, and I'm going to be reading the first six verses. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Let's give thanks to God for that and pray. So presence of the living God are... Our hope now is that your spirit would continue to help us understand your scriptures so that as a church, we would be able to live in a way that is closer to your design for us in the way that you have both called us into your love, but also then called us to be that presence of your love in this world. We want to be uh, the example that would bring reconciliation. So Lord, now help us to know better who you are, who we are, and to what you have called us. In your name, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. All right, so I'm not sure the last time is that you traveled or flew on an airplane. Rose will be doing that soon. I'm sure Deborah will be as well and, and her daughter. And, and you know, there's always a, a funny sight these days when you're at the airport. You go through that long line waiting to check in your bags, but almost... <laughs> It's almost a sure thing now that when you're close to the ticketing gate where you check your large carry, your large bags that will go under the plane, you always see one person who embarrassingly has had to open up their suitcase and is trying to now rearrange all of the items, taking some of those items out that they think might be heaviest because of why? Overweight, right? You only have a certain amount of weight that you're allowed to put into your suitcase. And so a lot of people get to the ticketing counter not having accurately weighed their bags beforehand, and they'll put one on and it might be just one or two pounds over. And if you don't wanna pay extra money, 
It means that you get to show everybody what undergarments you're going to wear tomorrow. You get to look through that, rummage through it, take something out, put it in your backpack and go. Paul began this verse, the first verse here, talking about the, the manner in which we are living, being worthy of our calling. He said, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. And this word worthy, it comes from a Greek word, axios. And it has also the, the meaning of, of a balancing scale. And axos was, was the word they used for the balancing scale system uh, in that culture. Paul is, is saying you need to be living in a manner now in which your life is in proper balance with the call that we have received. He said, therefore, whenever you see a word therefore, it's tying it to what came before. Therefore, based on the first three, three chapters of my letter, and we'll get that to that next, based on the first three chapters, you need to live in a way that is, that is measured accurately so that it's in balance with everything that we have been talking about. So the first question would be for, for anyone that's reading this scripture and trying to figure out what it is God wants us to do and be, is where has the gospel taken you? Because Paul says you've been called somewhere, you've been called somewhere, and that needs to be in balance with our living, with our actions now. So the question must start with, well, where have we been called to? What, where, where has the gospel taken us? As we really deep, dig deep into this question, we have been through a process of redefining what motivates our church. And we've, beginning of the year, we talked about being an epicenter of God's reconciliation, and it connects us back to three things. Who knows one of them? Back to... Okay, back to one another. Thank you. What's another one? We're connected. The gospel connects us back to, to God. And then one last one, the harder one, connects us back to our purpose, connects us back to how God designed us to be. Okay? So as we look at this part of being connected back to God, I want to focus in on the temple and the moment of Jesus' death on the cross. In Mark 15, Matthew 27, Luke 23, all those Gospels, they have the same story, the same, the same description, that when Jesus breathed his last, what happened? The temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom. Why does this matter? What did that temple curtain represent? It represented, I know you're going to say it correctly, it represented the, the separation now that we have created because of the ways we have rebelled against God, it created, it represented the separation between God's holiness and ourselves marked with the stains of our sin. And that curtain was in place to, to create that separation, actually to protect us, because not being holy ourselves, coming into God's presence, whoosh, doesn't work. But thanks to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we have been reconnected with our loving Savior. In fact, Jesus called us friend. In fact, Jesus would call us brothers and sisters. Paul describes us as adopted into the family of God. We've been reconnected with God. 
So what have we been called to? Where has the gospel taken us? If we're going to take the Christian scripture seriously, and we're going to wrestle with that well, then the story it tells is that we were separated from God, but Jesus came, and through his work and life and death, we have been reconnected. But not just that. Ephesians 2 reminds us, or the same letter we're in, Paul reminds us, about a certain wall that was in the temple. And he alludes to it here. He has broken down the dividing wall of hostility between us. So if you go one step from that curtain that was torn in two, there was a patio, a courtyard, and then there was a wall around that courtyard. And there were entrances in which Jewish believers could walk through that wall and then go towards the Holy of Holies where this curtain was. But there was also there were also signs on that wall and they read if you're not a Jew to cross this barrier meant death. This was a dividing wall of hostility between people. And what Paul is talking about now is not only has that curtain been torn into from top to bottom, but also this dividing wall of hostility in which I am at odds with you and you are at odds with me has been broken down. It's been broken down. So now we're reconnected not just with God, but, but the gospel. Again, if we're going to take, if we're going to wrestle well with the Christian scriptures, it also is describing that we, as a family of faith, as we approach Jesus, we're also approaching each other, and we've been called not just Jesus brothers and sisters, but if I'm a brother of Jesus and you're a sister of Jesus, that makes us brothers and sisters, guilty by association. Sorry, you have to be my brother or you have to be my sister. We've been thrown together, all adopted into this family together. And then also earlier in this letter, Paul touches on that third way we talk about being reconnected. He says, for we are what he has made us, created into Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Your life has a purpose. It has a way. It has an ethic. Jesus boiled it down to living and loving sacrificially. But all of the ways in which that comes to life are, are the works that have been created for us to do. Loving our spouse, loving our children, loving our families, loving our friends, being sacrificial, even in the workplace when it's really hard and, and throughout the world. We were created to do this even before the foundations of the world. God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Now, we wrecked it, right? We wrecked it, but... In Jesus, it's, we're, we're given this new life, and we are reoriented to that way of life that we were created to have from the very beginning. Amen. Thank you, Shane. Yeah. So as, as we go through what Paul is talking to us now, he's, this is where he says, you have been called to this. You have been reconnected with God. You've been reconnected with other people. You've been reconnected with your purpose. And we, as a church... As Christians, what we do with our lives is we wrestle with all three of those to, to lean into them better, to appreciate them better, and, and to live them out better. These are realities, and over time, 
we, we're not perfect, but we're trying to grow in each of those three areas. So if, if Paul's saying that you need to be in balance with that, I guess then the last question would be, where do you act like you are? Okay, so we, we, have been, we have been brought somewhere by the gospel, but regardless of where you have been brought, where are you acting like you are? This is where Paul is pushing on us today. Do our actions show that we are unwrapping this gift of the gospel? Does our daily action, does, does the way that we're living our life now reflect that we are unwrapping this gift of Christ in our life? Do our actions show us to, to believe that God has taken us there? Do our actions show us to believe that we've been reconnected with God? Are we, for instance, if we've been reconnected with God, if we're back in communion, part of what a lot of you'll hear in, in a church context is prayer, prayer, prayer. Why? Because if we've been reconnected with God, then that is a way that we are, we are living out that reality. We're taking ownership of where we have been brought to, and we're saying yes to that. Being a part of a church like ours that is not all from the same culture, and at times is tricky to be together, not just ethnic culture, but even age culture. There's a lot of difference between someone in their 80s and someone in their teens. There's a lot of cultural difference. But your yes to being here on Sundays or in a, in a different setting of our church is how you are unwrapping the gift, how your life is representing where you have been brought to. But it is so easy for us to be, to be acting in a way that's different than where we are. The famous, one of the famous examples is Christopher Columbus is so excited to be sailing to find India. And he goes to this new land and land, gets there. He sees people that fit the description in his head of what it should be looking like. And what does he automatically call them? Indians. How far away was he from India? From right here, it's 12.5 hours. In other words, it's as far as you could get. <laughs> he was as far as you could get from India, but he was acting in a way that was not congruent, that was not in measure, that wasn't in balance with where he was. I remember one day opening up my, my grandma's uh, cabinet, <laughs> and there was a, um, a glass cup on the cabinet, on the shelf, and it was filled with Taco Bell hot sauce. And I was, I was so confused why there'd be in my grandma's cabinet, and, she, and she's a very good cook. So you wouldn't expect Taco Bell hot sauce to be one of the main ingredients of her cuisine. Well, my mother then taught me, this was something that you would find all throughout the house in different ways. Saving things here, saving things never, throw, never throwing anything away. Why is this? What did she live through? The Great Depression in the Midwest. So her, her way of life had been impacted by that to such a level that now for the rest of her life, even throughout the, like, the, the times in which it's been a booming economy and she did not need to do this, and she, the, you know, they, they owned a home in Thousand Oaks that was large. They were not in trouble with money. But even still, she remained to act as if she was in a different time or place. 
when I go to Honduras, I don't go there and imagine everybody's going to keep speaking English to me. When I'm there, I don't need to order tortillas because they come with every single meal. When I'm there, I never need to ask somebody, can you make some coffee? It's already being made and coming. Because when we are in a different place, you can expect, you can expect aspects of your living to be different. Paul says we have been taken to this new reality. Thanks to Jesus, this connection that we have now between ourselves and God, between other people, and between our purpose, we have been taken to a new place. His question is, are we acting like, even though we have not been taken out of this world, are we nevertheless acting like we are somewhere else? Because if, if we just keep acting like nothing's changed in our life, that sin still runs our life, that the brokenness is still there, that we have no connection. If, we're, if we, in our imaginations, there's no way for us to connect with God. If in our imaginations, there's no hope for humanity, there's no hope for this room to ever be in communion right now. If we think that there's actually no, there's no absolute truth, and there's no way that I've been called to live my life, if that's our imagination, we're going li- to live that out. We're not going to pray. We're not going to seek out a place like a church to, 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 to understand God. We're not going to seek communities where, where reconciliation is happening. Are we living like we're still in this world? Or as Peter would say, are we living now understanding that we are actually foreigners and exiles while we remain in this world? Or as Paul says in Philippians, reminding us that we, our citizenship is in heaven, is, is the kingdom. Or as Jesus would pray just before being arrested, he says, Father, I'm praying for my disciples. But they, they are in the world, but yet they are not of the world. In the world, but not of the world. You see Peter, Paul, Jesus, all lining up on this imagination that we need to understand our lives. We've been called, we've actually been brought into something different. Eugene Peterson has a really well-written book the guy who also did the message translation, called Practice Resurrection. And it's based on Ephesians. Practice Resurrection. And his whole book about growing up into a maturity of disciples, maturity of following the Lord Jesus, is this idea that, yes, we have been brought into this other reality, but we don't often live like it. And so we need to be able to practice our resurrection to practice what it means that we have new life, that we have been reconnected in those three main ways. Practicing our, what it, practicing that we have uh, been brought back into this communion with God, others, and our purpose. I love that um, doctors say that they practice medicine, <laughs> meaning they haven't gotten it right yet. 
They practice medicine. And that's kind of what the church does. We practice resurrection. But we're always having to mature. We never get there in this life. We're always having to practice. We're always maturing as we go. That, that scale is always a little out of balance, and we're always trying to just get it a little, a little more uh, in sync, a little more aligned. You know, the fundamental point of Paul here is not that we need to make it happen. Let's just take this room. The fundamental point of Paul is not that you need to make reconciliation happen in this room. The point, the point is that it's already happened. There, you have already been reconciled to one another. That is a reality. That's what the gospel has done. And so Paul's point would be, instead of trying to make it happen, we just need to trust it. We just need to trust it. We need to be okay that that's our new reality and start living in that new reality. being connected back to God, understanding that it's already happened and that we can trust it, we can lean into it, we can open our hearts to God in prayer and read his scriptures. Our lives, as we move forward, need to look more and more like this balance between where we actually are and how we're acting like believing that the gospel has done these things to us. Thank you, the Lord Jesus, that these things are realities for us, and now our actions, our actions can better showcase, not just for other people, but also in our own lives. Our lives will feel like the abundant one Jesus describes, in which we're thriving. When we appreciate, when we have our imaginations correctly calibrated in this reconnection between ourselves, God, and others. Each one of you has been brought somewhere by the gospel. And Paul's ask today is that each one of us, by the way that we are living, that we would live into that calling in a way that's in balance with this glorious reconnection with the sacrifice of Christ as we are now citizens of the kingdom of the heavens. Would you pray with me? Father, we do, we do want to mature. <laughs> We do want to appreciate what you have done. And Lord, I, I know you are in each of our lives and in unique ways because each of us are at different points in our journeys of faith. Lord, in this week, we want to be mindful of where you are in our life in the ways that, that you are encouraging our growth, our maturity, the ways you are inspiring us towards worthy life, towards a imbalanced life. Father, 
Father, we ask that you, you would be with us as a church also, that as a community, that we would be able um, to recognize how you have been maturing us, but also how you are calling us even deeper, how our roots can, great, can, can go deeper into who uh, our call is, what type, of, what type of light and what type of ministry you have called us to as, as a people of faith, as a community of faith. I thank you for each person here today um, because you, you have called them my brother and my sister. And thank you for this family. Lord, help us even live more into this with what Paul says is patience and perseverance and loving sacrifice. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you today for where you have called us, to where you have taken us. And now help us, Lord, help us, so that the way that we are living our lives would be in balance with this glorious reality. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.